Welcome to the Nerd Party. Hello again. We're right back. This is Throwback Paperback, and I'm one of your hosts, Charles Sheeland. And I'm Asia Bonilla, the other host, and yes, as Charles said, we're right back with our bonus episode on the short second life of Brie Tanner. We just released our episode on Eclipse Part 2, and we also read the companion novella and just wanted to spend some time talking about it. Yeah, I don't think we have to follow too rigid of a format because there's no way someone is just listening to this episode. But hey, if you are, sorry I made that preemptive judgment, just please go listen to the other episodes. They're really fun. Yeah, and I can go ahead and cover the summary today if we aren't following, since we're not following too much of our regular structure. And just to give Charles a little break, since he's done six summaries in a row so far, and he has a bunch more to do. But I'll just dive right in. The novella takes place basically over the course of a week, and we meet Bree Tanner, who is a newborn in Victoria's Revenge Coven. She becomes acquainted with another vampire named Diego, and they start to recognize that their leader, Riley, has been misleading them and is plotting some use for this huge group of vampire feeding off of Seattle. And finally, it is revealed that they are going to hunt down the Cullen Coven, but in this process, Brie realizes that it was all a lie, and Diego, who she was kind of starting to fall in love with, was killed by Victoria, and none of the newborns were prepared to fight the Cullens. And she alone surrenders to the Cullens, but ultimately she is killed by Jane and the Voltori, and that's the end. Yeah. It's... That's... The whole thing. So it's a fascinating read because it's our first time getting the perspective of a vampire in the books, especially a vampire who kills other humans. Like all the books have been from Bella's view, except that one epilogue so far in Eclipse that we've had that was Jacob. And part two of Breaking Dawn will be Jacob, but, and assumedly when Bella transforms, we'll get some of her perspective. But even then, she'll still be a vegetarian vampire. Like we have Brie, who is, you know, she just completely submits to the thirst. So it's a completely different it's a completely different experience. So it's a kind of a fun read for us. And it does serve to fill in some world building, which is awesome. So we get pretty good evidence as to why vampires don't live together. Like we've been told that, but one, it's super suspicious when you have too many of them together because they kill too many humans and they get caught. They also fight all the time. So it's really suspicious to have a lot of vampires together because they kill too many humans, they get caught. Also, another reason vampires don't live together is because they fight all the time. Like, the number of them in the coven keeps changing because they keep attacking each other. And they have these permanent scars. So basically, when they lose their limbs, their limbs can rejoin, which we kind of knew, but, like, we hadn't, like, heard in quite so such explicit detail. But they get these scars from reattaching their limbs. And that was really gross. Yeah, it was pretty pretty scary, very scary environment. And they talk about how they have to like lick the pieces to put venom in order to reattach it. It's a very interesting process that we hadn't gotten to know yet. But we also learn that Riley largely kept the newborns under control by telling them that they would burn in the sun. So he told them basically they would be able to go out at night and hunt, but they had to make it back or they would burst into flames. And this kind of led me to a question I had while reading this because 
Bree and Diego, one day they end up not making it back to their like ha- the house in time because the group's moved on because they talk about how since there's so many newborn vampires, the houses they stay in eventually get destroyed, so they have to move on. And they kind of make it right as the sun's rising, so Diego has this like underground cave that they go hide in, and they kind of explore the sun, and they ultimately discover that that was a lie. They don't burn in the sun. As we know, they sparkle like diamonds <laughs> in the sun. And so after discovering this... They wait until nightfall to go find the group, like, by tracing or by tracking their scent. And I was just wondering that, you know, after discovering that, you know, Riley's been lying to them all this time about the sun, I don't know why they just didn't even consider not going back. And, like, Brie kind of talks about this a little bit later when she, like, kind of has the realization. And I was thinking maybe, like, Brie and Diego had just gotten close during that one day. Like, they didn't really know each other that well, but they didn't even consider, like, they were away. Like, they could have easily been thought to have burned in the sun by the group. They could have easily run away at that point. But maybe their relationship just wasn't there yet, and they just weren't thinking about it. Yeah, I was thinking about that, too. And I think that Stephanie Meyer actually gave us an answer indirectly. So... We know that newborn vampires basically have, they have no control and they have no perspective and they have no focus. Like they can only ever think about their thirst. And Brie even says that talking to Diego is the first time she's really thought clearly since transforming. And I just think that that sort of clouded their ability to see inconsistencies. Like it took two of them talking and reminding themselves of their human aspects rather than their vampire aspects so that they could think clearly. And it's... You know, we even see Bree, she starts to see flaws in the logic, and she can see that the plan is all for Victoria. But the other newborns really can't see that because all they can think about is adjusting and thinking ahead to their next meal. And so I'm wondering if, like, they just didn't have enough perspective because they're still so driven by thirst and so driven by the transformation. I think that that makes them just not clear-eyed enough. Yeah, I think you're totally right. Also, just the idea that they've been born, like newborn into this new life in such a controlled environment, like everything they know about the world is what Riley has told them. So like, because even with the burning in the sun, like how would they know to question him? They don't know any other vampires besides the other newborns. And why would you risk it? If it's if he's telling the truth, you're just going to burn up and die. So why would you question it? But this is one of the main perks, obviously, of getting this kind of story from Bree's perspective. And we get more of an insight into what a vampire's thirst is really like, because obviously since the main story is told from Bella's perspective and when she eventually turns to a vampire, we'll get a little bit of it. But because they're not feeding off of humans, it's definitely a little bit different. And like Bree, after feeding, like, you know, killing like two human beings, she's already thirsty within hours. Like she's like, she can already feel the burning and they describe it as this burning feeling in your throat and you're constantly like on fire, which sounds very, very painful. So it's like, of course, that's the only thing that they can focus on because it's just constantly there. And even when they do feed, it's not like they really get satiated for very long. So that obviously is a hard transition. And then later on, we see Bree's confusion and like she knows something is wrong in the plan with Riley and everything, but her judgment is clouded. And then 
obviously just adjusting to being a vampire can be very tricky and the main example of Brie being able to kind of try to identify an issue but not being able to fully puzzle it out because she's too distracted by her thirst is that I noted that she's kind of confused as to Riley basically brings out uh, Bella's scent. It's like the red blouse that we constantly talked about in clips that she's missing and he's passing it around and he's like, whoever gets to her first gets like dessert, gets to kill her. And she was like, they had been training for days like to be this team to work be in unison and stuff and have this nice unity as a team but all of a sudden now the motivating factor is whoever gets to Bella first gets her and it's like that's now going back to the individual of like who cares about being on a team you just want to get there first and she can't really sort that out which obviously we know is because Victoria is the person behind this whole plan and her goal is just ultimately to kill Bella and maybe take out some of the Cullens in the process, but, like, she mainly, like, she just needs Bella to die. Yeah, totally. Like, that example also, Brie, she knows something's wrong in the plan because the whole thing is, Riley said, we're going to kill this coven because they're the ones who are infringing upon our territory. And they have the yellow eyes. So, like, we're going to kill the yellow eyes, and the way to identify them is by finding Bella, And so she's like, okay, that makes sense. Like, we need them out of the way so that we can drink more blood in Seattle. But then when Riley's like, first to kill Bella, like, that's, like, trace her, and the goal is to kill her. She's like, those two don't make any sense. Like, why would we kill Bella? She's the least threat if we're trying to get Seattle as our territory. Like, she's, she's starting to see issues, but she's not able to fully pieced together, well, if Seattle is our target, then the human shouldn't be our target. So there's got to be something else going on. Like, she knows something's wrong, but she hasn't isn't fully able to set it up correctly in her brain. And I think that's probably because she is sort of corrupted by the thirst and still acclimating to her newborn lifestyle. Yeah. And backtracking a little bit, so we have Brie and Riley, Brie and Diego following Riley, because they're like, we're going to tell him about the light because he doesn't know. Or if he does know, we need to find out why he didn't tell everyone. And then they encounter, they see a house where Victoria and Riley are, and they hear the encounter between the Volturi. And basically we find out some really important news that should probably affect the actual main Twilight Saga plotline. But basically we find out that the Jane and the, that Jane and the Volturi showed up a week before the big actual newborn battle, and they wanted Victoria to be successful and kill the Cullens, or at least get some of them. Like, we heard Edward, he kind of made a joke about it in Eclipse. He was like, I bet the Volturi won't be mad if the newborns get some of us, but that's all we get. And, but this we actually have proof. Like, the Volturi came early, and they were like, they wanted Victoria to succeed a little bit, and they want it kept a secret, like, during the end Brie realizes that too, and she sort of tells the story so that Jane doesn't know that she knew. Brie tells the story so that Jane doesn't know that Brie knew that the Volturi were coming. But that's me getting hell out of myself a little bit. Yeah, and we'll get to that in a second. But after that, Brie and Diego separate because Diego is convinced that he wants to tell Riley by himself, which is a terrible idea and awful because... Ultimately, we are assuming that Riley and Victoria kill Diego and then the whole vampire army 
goes to meet the Cullens to try to kill them, which obviously goes terribly, as we know from Eclipse. And, like, it's almost kind of funny how badly all of them do. And Brie, like, by the time she gets there, she's, like, all, like, everyone's dead. Like, and she basically is just, she just sits down and she's, like, please, like, make it quick. Also, because at this point, she's kind of realized that Diego is dead. She's never going to see him again. And I know for me, because another vampire that she kind of was starting to get close to was Fred, which we'll talk about him in a little bit. But I just wish that she would have just turned around and ran away because Fred immediately leaves and like she could have went and met him. But in that moment, obviously, she was extremely devastated about realizing that Diego was actually dead. And she was like, what's the point? Like, I'd rather just be dead, too. Yeah, you're so right. It is really funny because she gets to the again. She's been talking to Riley. She's like, this plan is all bogus. Where is Diego? Diego is never here. Like she's starting to piece more and more of it together. And she gets to the the baseball clearing, and she's like, they're all dead. Oh, my goodness. And, it, yeah, it was a little funny almost. I mean, if it wasn't so tragic. But there's another really, really yeah. funny moment in the novella that I wanted to mention. <laughs> so when Riley goes to tell the newborns how to identify the Cullens, like we said, he tells them they have a pet human. And Christy is like, they bring a snack around with them? Like, they travel with their food? <laughs> like, because, again, that newborn, like, they... They have no understanding of other vampires. They couldn't even imagine someone showing restraint. Like, and we even know that Volturi, like, they live among a bunch of humans, but they're able to show restraint. Like, it's all vampires. Even if they eat humans, it's after that. They can like, control themselves. They can control themselves. And, like, these newborns, they're so young. They literally are like, I cannot stop myself around a human. And I just, it was really funny. She's like, they carry their snack around with them. But yes, the newborns do really, really badly. Bree surrenders. And then we get that scene from Eclipse, which is super fun because it's super rare in a fantasy series or even a fiction series where we get a scene from multiple perspectives. Like we get it in Eclipse from Bella's perspective and we get it from Bree's here. Like in Game of Thrones, there's a really good beginning of book five Game of Thrones. We have a Jon Snow chapter and we got the same chapter from Samuel Tarley's in book four. And it's the only time in the whole series where we get one scene from two different characters' perspectives. And it just is always a really fun read. So I really liked that we got to hear this ending from Bree's perspective. Yeah. So as Bree is, you know, sitting on the ground after she surrendered, she's kind of finally starting to piece everything together. And, you know, she realizes Victoria, who before she didn't even know this lady's name until I think Edward says it. But Victoria is bad, and the she's identified that the Voltori are these kind of like vampire police that kind of keep everybody in check. And she can tell how the Cullens are very nice, just the fact that they let her surrender and are kind of willing to take her in and even kind of defend her a little bit. But and then also that the fact that the Voltori they wanted to get the Cullens hurt or killed or just wanted to maybe reduce their numbers, but they don't want the Cullens to know that, obviously. And then she remembers, while she's thinking about this, she remembers that Riley had said how the Cullens have a mind reader. So she starts to think about all of this so that the mind reader, and we know that's Edward, can hear it. Which is super powerful. Again, we've seen Bree, this whole novella, being so clouded, but she's able to like finally get it together. So she she's hearing that she's going to die. And But she's getting her revenge on Riley and Victoria and the Volturi because she's telling Edward all of these secrets. So 
Edward now knows that the Volturi came a week early and they wanted them gone. And Edward knows how basically everything went down and how the newborns were tricked into this, which also explains why Edward vouches for Brie. Because Edward is the one who says to Carla, he's like, we can give Brie a chance. Like, we should ask if she can, if she's willing to learn the rules, she should be given a chance. And Carlisle's like, absolutely. And Jane's like, no. But it's Edward that actually brings it up. But yeah. It's because Edward can hear all of Bree's thoughts. And he's like, oh, she's a, she has a good heart. She doesn't know. And she's trying to do the right thing. So it was a, it made it a little more tragic even then that she died. Because of course, if you just read Eclipse, you would just like, you would know Bree was one of the newborns, but and you know that she surrenders, but like she's not humanized in any way. But because we get this novella from her perspective, and we realize that she was doing everything she could to undermine the Volturi and Victoria, you feel even more badly for her. But most importantly, I wonder if this is going to come up in Breaking Dawn, because Edward now knows that Jane wanted some of the Cullens to die. So I haven't started reading it, but I really hope that it gets brought up, because that's obviously a huge reveal. Yes, well, we will have to see... And we'll have to start reading Breaking Dawn very soon. But one other thing I wanted to mention, how I mentioned earlier, was that other vampire, Fred, that that Bree had kind of gotten close to. And basically, Fred has this ability to repel people, to, like, mask himself. He, like, makes people feel nauseous. Like, he, like, he kind of grosses them out in some way. Like, they feel like, what's the word? Repelled or revulsion or something, I think they use. Repulsed? Repulsed. There was a specific word they use, but anyway. But he does that, basically. And he, Bree kind of clings to him and, like, hangs near him because, obviously, since he's basically invisible to the group, she also likes to stay invisible because with all the newborns, there's lots of fighting. Constantly newborns are getting killed by each other just from bouts of anger and And Bree's super small. Like we know she's like 15. She's super small. Victoria even was like, she's too small for me, but I've killed enough people tonight. Maybe I won't kill her too. She's really small. So she kind of, is it like a survival tactic? And so they kind of have this like silent conversation throughout. And when it's time for them to move, when all the vampires are going to, you know, meet the colons for the battle, he immediately is like, I'm not doing this. Like, they're not telling us the truth. And he's like, I'm not a pawn. I don't want to be used. And he's like, I'm going to go up to Canada. And she's like, oh, like, that's like a good idea. But she's like, I've got to get Diego. Because, you know, at this point, she thinks that Diego's still with Victoria or something. But... Obviously, as we know, Brie and Diego both end up dead and they don't join him. And so at the end of this, I feel like I've always just like, I wonder what happened to Fred. Like, did he make it? Like, did he meet other like nomadic vampires or especially with his like really cool power? Like, I just wonder what happened to him. And I know I would really love like another like spinoff book about him or like a novella or something. I would personally really enjoy that because I think this book is kind of like a good example of how if Stephanie Meyer wanted to, she could really expand the whole vampire world and kind of get away from just focusing on like Bella and Edward's love story. Like I feel like she could really expand the entire world. Definitely. I agree. I would read a spinoff. We'll cover it on the podcast if you write a Stephanie Meyer. So I think that would be, I think that would, that it would be really nice because again, like Fred and Brie, both carnivorous vampires, but they're not, 
we haven't seen them to be malicious. They're just kind of going about their lives. And well, they also don't know any other way. Yeah, they don't also, know. Also, I better. think Fred would be an interesting person, like who could possibly join like the Volturi because he's got like such a powerful ability. Yeah, they would like him to like be able to like they would like him a lot. And then if he has no, he doesn't care about killing people. So yeah, well, if Stephanie Meyer writes it, we'll cover it. Mm-hmm. And unless there's anything else, that was our first bonus episode. We hope you guys all liked it. This was super fun. Nice, short, and quick, just covering about that novella. And if you did like it, please let us know so we can always brainstorm and look up new ways to bring more content, bonuses, etc. Yeah, this was super fun and a nice little treat before we dive into the final book of Breaking Dawn. And as a reminder, we will be reading parts one and two for that for next week. So if you're reading with us, go ahead and read up to there. Yeah, and of course, you can stay in touch with us in all the usual places. We don't have to do the whole spiel since you literally just heard our Eclipse episode. But do let us know if you like the episode, and we'll see you next week with the first half of Breaking Dawn. Join the revolution. Join the Nerd Party.